Welcome to Trying Days of the Journey, episode 62, the second half of Chris Milligan's conversation with Paul Fitzgerald and Elizabeth Gould about their book, The Valediction, Three Nights of Desmond. We're introduced to this guy, Allard Lowenstein. I'm, he, was he was running the campaign for, for Ted Kennedy. And he said, you know, I've done a lot of research on Jack's assassination and Bobby's assassination. And he said, and I've got all the goods, he said, on, on the people who killed him. And he says, I've got, I've got a lot of witnesses willing to come forward, but we've got to get Ted elected president. So he said, and he bends down and he said, now, since you're family, I'm going to tell you something. He says, we're going to get him. We, we got, we're going to get him. We're going to bring him out. We're going to be We're going to show who the people were that did this and how they did it. And, but we got to get Ted as the president. A couple of weeks later, we pick up the local newspaper, the Boston Globe, and read on the front page that Alan Lowenstein had been gunned down in his own office by someone who had worked with him as a student activist back in the 1960s and had bought a gun for, the, for that particular occasion and gone in and just blasted away and then put the gun down on his desk and waited for the police to arrive. You know, the more we researched into the nature of the Fitzgerald family and the Kennedys, the Fitzgeralds, we discovered that it really was the Fitzgeralds that were providing this kind of mythical and mystical background to Camelot and that they did go back to the 10th century. They did go back to the, the old British Arthurian stories, the Grail legends and all these different things at the very beginning of the British Empire in the, in the 11th century. Was, was, there, was there any one particular thing? Was it just a, 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 a cascading effect of events that, that made you feel that, gosh, what we're trying to do here is, isn't working? You know, we're trying to hit them with facts and we're trying to show them that they're wrong and everything. You know, what made you decide to, let's try and look at this differently. I mean, you know, the voice is, is completely different than your other books. And then, you know, we look into Valediction. I love, uh, Valediction is a, is a, is a great book. It, it's helping the reader understand that we need to go someplace else. We need to do something different. The system isn't working and, and it does it in such a nice way. How, how did, you know, how, how did those decisions come about, you know, to, to, to make this change? We actually eventually had a third experience come up um, ABC News actually asked us to go back for a third trip. We were really excited because we thought this is going to be the one because uh, actually Fared Zarif from the United Nations is going back to Afghanistan. He had offered to help us in any way. He said, I want, I want everybody to see everything that's going on. You can get anything you want. It was like, this has got to be it. So we yeah, really he said, felt, you can even bring, you can ask Dan, Dan Rather, Rather, right, if right. you want. But this was going to be, okay, yeah. the fulfillment. We kept thinking, oh, okay. Well, what really shocked us was when the, the elusive moment, you know, dissolved, not because of ABC News. It was actually because the Afghan government decided suddenly to let all the Western media in. So we lost our exclusive. And we hadn't signed the contract yet with ABC. So it was almost like we were getting a message. I mean, a mystical message. That's how we took it. We're being told you are not, you know, waste your time. You're not supposed to go back there. It won't do anything. Yeah, maybe you'll get another network, this or that, but it won't mean anything, okay? 
the, the universe was knocking at you. Yes, exactly. But we, we inter interpreted it that and way. We had we had two kids at that point. We were living in a rented house, and I said, "We got the signal. It's time to do something on our own, something different. We got to get away from the, this Afghanistan thing. It's just not going to work out. It clearly isn't going to work out. So we needed to get, we needed to get a house. We needed to start thinking about something different." And we started said, we got to, you know, we're not getting anywhere with the news business. We're never going to get any further than we've already got. We did pretty well. We walked in off the street. We worked for CNN. We worked for ABC. We worked for CBS News. We, you know, we got the frontline stuff. And, and yeah, and PBS as well. And, and how, how did you run across Oliver Stone? Uh, all right. So this is where I said we were, I was exploring the idea of writing screenplays. I've always been a movie buff and I, I said, you know, this is a movie. I know there's a movie in here someplace or somewhere along the line. So I started, we took a course and both of us took a course at, uh, in Harvard, at Harvard Square, uh, Harvard Square screenwriters. They knew what they were doing and um, we, we got into it. They had contacts with some people in, in the, on the West Coast. I worked and worked and worked. I got all the screenwriting books that Sid Field was the big guy to follow back in those days. And I would suggest anybody who wants to become a screenwriter or even a narrative writer, pick up Sid Field's book uh, and the, the two books, because he helps you identify exactly those moments and ways in which you can make your story accessible to other so people. It's the, narr the real narrative right. creation narrative, process. Out yeah, of he the fact. really investigated it beautifully. He, he found mm -hmm. out the secret of, of narrative creation. We wrote a number of screenplays, four or five, six screenplays. And you know we got some options here and some options there. And finally, the woman we were working with said, I really think you've got, to, you've got to talk to Oliver Stone. He's the only guy in Hollywood who would be interested in the kind of hard stuff you're doing. It was when we actually went to see the film JFK that we suddenly realized that Oliver was on to something that we could relate to, which was he really was getting into the mystical aspects. You know, you had the scenes where they were wearing their their Greek um, outfits and, you know, prancing around. And there was something about the secret society aspect. And we were really beginning to get familiar with that side of it. You know, when Wild Bill Donovan, who was the guy that um, was the first uh, a guy that ran the OSS, referred to his, his agents as Knights Templar, you know, you have to sort of ask yourself, why would he call them Knights? And then you have to go find out what they are. And the so, guy, the, the guy that Joe Pesci played, he played the, the, the David Ferry. He, he said they, they found some kind of cassock and a surplus in the guy's right. apartment. And he, said, and he belonged to some rare Catholic sect. And so I thought to myself, this is really well, interesting. We had done a story for CNN back in the early 80s that, that involved very wealthy people, High-level Catholic, high level people, Catholic people yeah. in South Texas who had a lot of money and billions, told, yeah, billions <laughs> of dollars. They sat there, their yeah. estates yeah. sat on top of uh, billions of dollars worth of oil. So we kind of got an inside look as to you know the high-level yeah. dealings that were going back and forth between these rich families. We actually went to him to do a story about the esoteric reasons behind the assassination of JFK. We wanted him to take that on. And we had been doing a lot of research into that. That's what we, we formulated this idea right. we call the voice. Right. And that became 
partly, you know, the history of the Fitzgerald family that we took back to the 12th century Norman invasion of Ireland. And we were bringing it forward, trying to show the trail of evidence <clears throat> that there was no question that there was an esoteric implication there that needed to be factored in that could possibly have been even more important than what happened with the Cuban Americans, what happened with the, you know, obviously with the, uh, the mafia, you know, all these aspects that were being, you know, talked about. And so that's what we brought him. But he said no to that and he, said, I want to do the screenplay. He and, said, I uh, want to, he on says, on what about, he says, I want Afghanistan. I want your experience in Afghanistan. Right. Give me a treatment. Give me a 20 page treatment. And um, let me know what it is your story's all about. So we went home. I spent the next two weeks. I put a 20 page treatment together. I, so we send it off to him, we call him up, I don't know, a week later. And we talked to his assistant. She says, no, he's, he's not going to do Afghanistan. It's, he's just taken too much of a beating with JFK. He really doesn't want to get into it. So anyway, so I wrote him a letter. And I said, I understand that you know, you've suffered a lot because of JFK. You took a lot on the chin because of it. And it's, you know, we're all happy that you, can, you, know, you, you were able to do it. And you, I think you've done a great service for the country. So would you recommend anybody else we, we can take our story to? So phone rings after the letter gets to Oliver. Phone rings on a Friday afternoon and it's Azita, his assistant. She says, I have some news for you. Oliver would like you to write a screenplay. And if you can do it in a month, if you can do it in 30 days, if you can do it in 30, 30 days, days, he will seriously consider optioning it. <laughs> so I said, uh, I said, does that mean he'll buy it? Does that mean he'll, she said, all he said was he will seriously consider optioning the screenplay if you can get it to him in 30, in days. 30 days. So I said, all right, clear the decks. I said, I got to do this Monday morning. That's what we did. So we got it to him in 30 days and he optioned it. Yeah. But they, they didn't make the movie. No, but no. that was actually partly our choice. It was at, th at the end of three years, uh, we were not convinced that at that point that we were going to really get anything better out of Hollywood uh, than we got out of the networks. And Oliver was not as strong as we had hoped he would be. He was up against forces, especially after the JFK um, crisis. I mean, he, I mean, it, we were told by, you know, people on his staff that he really was, that was a horrible he was, experience. He was wounded. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. wounded. Yeah. We realized that we had to move on and we basically didn't let him uh, re-option it. Yeah, I, I we've you know worked with uh, Oliver's uh, film company. He's asked for some of our books, and we've sent them to him, but nothing has happened. And I, you know, and I've had some amazing experiences with Hollywood, where they've you know they've tried to make some of these movies uh, of our books into movies, and they have been stopped very, very effectively and, mm -hmm. and very harshly. Um, Bruce, do you do you have uh, any questions uh, for Paul and Liz here? Yes, and I'm going to shotgun them. When did Dan Rather go to Afghanistan and come back and give that report that, the, Dan. Of, that yep. the mainstream fell in line with? It was the spring of, I think it was the 19, spring of 1980. 1980. Yeah. yeah, it was a year before we went. Right. The, your Lowenstein story as campaign manager for TED is the first I've heard in the world that TED had any interest, just someone near him, pursuing truth about JFK's assassination. What else 
briefly, if anything, do you know about Ted Kennedy interested or doing anything to find the truth about the president's assassination? Not much. I no, know. I, I, no. no Lowenstein actually had been very close to Robert Kennedy. And yeah. it was known for years and years that, that Lowenstein was very focused on trying to open up that investigation. What right. was unknown to us until, he told, until Lowenstein told us was <clears> that he actually had been doing a lot on the JFK assassination too. But, but no, it could have I, been it could have been just for himself. It, Ted may have had nothing to do with that search. Uh, we don't know. Well, we don't. You know, we can't. We don't really know. Speculate. He was well known uh, as an investigator of the yeah. Kennedy assassination. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was well. Okay, oh, yeah. so Ted would have known that he was. Of course, oh, yeah. had what he oh, had. Lowenstein had plenty of intelligence connections too. Well, Lowenstein had CIA connections. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, thank you, because I was yeah. always been intrigued about what Ted may or may not have. Right. Uh, the your book, The Voice, where can one get it? Oh, that's on Amazon. I'm, thank you. Now, the screenplay, and this is the last question, the screenplay to Oliver, was it based on The Voice? Was that the screenplay? That was something of, called the right. Afghanistan Project. Right. But, and that but, became but, Three Nights of Desert. Right. I was just going to say, over. Yeah. see, we worked with Oliver for over three years on developing the script. And when we finally came up with Three Nights of Desmond, it was called Afghanistan, Three Nights of Desmond. It became, he loved that. That was we when did, we, we broke took through. the existing yeah. 30 day okay. story that we had given him. Right. And we, we, we incorporated, I incorporated a lot of the things about the mystical things that we were uncovering in the background of the Fitzgerald family into it. That's exactly what, you know, that it is our book today that, that uh, you and Chris and right, the, you know, the Trine Davies put out. That's the valediction. You know, when you started, you know, into the mystic, what was the most amazing thing that you found? And then my other last question is, what are your impressions of Afghanistan of the, and of the Afghani people? We actually had an experience when we connected with Oliver that was literally the mystical door that opened and it was quite real and powerful. We, when we first con contacted him, it would have been in January of 92, the meeting was being set, okay? And, that, and it was accepted, he was gonna meet with us. I immediately started having the most unbelievable dreams with Oliver, him, with my family, with Oliver and all kinds of people he had worked with and I'm like, what's going on? I, I had never had an experience like that. It was, it was as if suddenly my dreams went into some kind of hyper mode. I, 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 it was, I had no way to um, define what was going on except to be open to it. So I was, I was saying, okay, well, the, th the thing that made it powerful though was I said, this is a method of communication and I'm really surprised. I just didn't know it existed this way, this intensely, especially with someone I don't even know yet. And, but, but the fact that he had uh, engaged my family at the level he did, and in fact, it was uh, one dream in particular that really kind of opened my mind to like, whoa, whoa, something is happening here. Well, he was in, uh, in the dream with all kinds of family members. And all of a sudden it was like a snap in my mind in the dream. And I, I turned to him, his back was to me. And I went over and I said, I know who you are. And I, I touched his back. The feeling of solidness was so intense that I snapped out of the dream and I was going to tell him he was the trickster. I, of course, immediately had to do massive research on the trickster. And I'm, you know, figuring all of this out. So it became the first 
like real and the sense of solidness and the sense of there's something real going on here. And so this process trailed us. And then Paul actually didn't start having his dreams until we actually had the meeting. And that would have been a, uh, in April. In fact, the interesting thing- And then thing, I had to say, I see what you mean. Yeah, it, 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 the interesting <laughs> thing, by the way, is Oliver, he ended up meeting with us on April 20th. And it turned out that was the anniversary date of the death of Paul's father. And it turned out that the next year, uh, we ended up with a meeting with him in California, and it turned out, once again, it was April 20th. So things like that, we began to notice the synchronicities mm. and these things happening, and we started to take them very seriously. Well, over a period of three years, I logged hundreds and hundreds of dreams um, that related to our work with him. Paul has his own log of hundreds and hundreds of dreams. It was so intense and it didn't really stop even after our contract was done and we weren't formally working with him. We still interacted with him. We still interact with him today. But the, intim you know, the intimate interaction when you're really working on a screenplay is certainly more profound. But the dreams literally continued intensely until the end of the 90s um, before they began to you know, slow down a little. We still have plenty, but it, in comparison to what happened then, it was much lighter. But something happened one morning that really convinced us there was something unusual going on. Our daughter uh, woke up and she was yelling at Liz. I could hear her from the next room going, no, you woke me up, da 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 da. I didn't get his name. I didn't get his name. I didn't get his name, da 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 da. She had had a dream and she had met my father who had died in 68 and she wasn't born until 81. And he was accompanied by this guy in a very funny, big muscular guy in a very funny looking plaid outfit with a funny looking, she said, golf hat on. A scotch plaid. Yes, she know, said, orange scotch, and, orange scotch yeah, plaid yeah. outfit on. And I said to him, you look really weird. How come? And he says, well, I'm 800 years old. That's when I woke her up. That's as far as the conversation went. Yeah. And that's why she was angry because she wanted to get more information. She was in the middle of this conversation yeah. with this guy and my father. We started doing, after that, we started doing some research for, you know, for meeting Oliver Stone. So I just was doing some background stuff and I bought a book and in the book was written by a CIA guy. And, and in the book is a picture of this guy in a funny looking hat, an American mercenary, the first American mercenary in Afghanistan right. in the 19th century. And he's wearing this plaid uniform that he made himself. And he had become uh, the head of some kind of the Punjab, the Punjabi leader's uh, cavalry or something. And he had, he had a sword and he had the whole deal. So who is this guy? So we wound up finding, he, he, there was a book that he had written, well, we Soldier and Traveler, who was a, it was a biography of him that had been written. But before that, yeah. we actually looked at the picture and we both thought this sounds like yeah, exactly. the image that Alyssa said she had in her dream. Yeah. Now, this would have been two years later. And so she was coming home from school. We worked out of the home. So at right. lunchtime, when she came in, we left the book open on the table and just said, Alyssa, what do you think of that picture? And she goes, that's the, that's that's, the guy from my dream. Yeah. Instantly like that. She's just said, so, that's him. Yeah. All right. And then we found out that, you know, the guy obviously had this amazing life and the biography, of course, the, the memoir, it's like a memoir, you know, that he had married an Afghan princess and he had a son and they were killed and he became a, a model for Kipling's The Man Who Would Be King um, and also for the Flashman. Yeah. Flash so it was like, wow, this is 
you know, and so, so the what, are we, what is this? And it's turned out that over the years, Alyssa has had this incredible coincidence where she runs into people the either that I met in Afghanistan in the 1980, early 1990s, she ran into the guy who was the head of Afghan television, driving a cab in San Francisco. Who Paul worked with in, in Yeah, that, that I had, he made copies, dupes right. of things for me uh, at Afghan television. Well, it now had become very clear to us, especially in the last few years, that the real message from Alyssa's dream had more to do with Paul's father than it did uh, Alexander Gardner, that Gardner was the messenger for Paul's father. Alexander Gardner is the guy in the funny hat. Right, right. When, when we first you know, had the dream, we were very aware of the fact that this right. is clearly about the Fitzgerald family that did motivate us to go and do all this research right. and get all these books. But it was still, the focus was more on the amazing connection to Gardner. But an even stranger thing that happened that was real was that Alyssa, our daughter, was living in New York. She was introduced to a young woman through a friend who was moving out to San Francisco. When and she, she was living. And when, when our daughter went, was living in San Francisco, and she was asked if she could help her find a place to live. So it turns out that the, that the, the, that the woman is the daughter of a man who used to work at CBS News, the guy that hired us to go to Afghanistan well, in, 1980. in 1981. Okay. So Alyssa comes back for Christmas. One 2011. year, 2011, she says to Liz, that friend of mine from uh, California is coming in tonight. Her father used to work for CBS and he's in town visiting her for the weekend. So I said that she could bring him along. She said, what's his name? She said, Larkin, Peter Larkin. When Peter showed up with his daughter, it was, you know, it was like a dream. Seven, I'm standing of... on the other side of the room, seven o'clock. There's Peter Larkin. Mm -hmm walking in through the front door of our house. And it's like, you can't walk away from Afghanistan. We have a photograph on our valediction.net website that if anybody wants to get a sense of, of the Afghan people and, and what they would have been today if the U.S. had not, Brzezinski and Carter had not chosen this poor country to become the place where they were going to win the Cold War, yeah. they basically you know, murdered Afghanistan. This is a, a picture from the 1970s, three Afghan women who are walking across Kabul University. This is at a time when women were actually over 60% of the students at Kabul University. And these women look so proud and so confident. They're wearing mini skirts, the, all the things that you think about Afghanistan that you've been misled to believe, the potential that was destroyed by what Carter and Brzezinski did. I mean, there, you know, Afghanistan in the 1970s did not have suicide bombers. Their form of Islam was always moderate. They were always, they were known for their hospitality. They are the most considered to be some of the most hospitable. It was considered in the world. to be the Paris of Central Asia. Right, that was the right, way they used to refer right, to it as. Right. And the idea that, you know, that what, what now represents them as the Taliban is beyond tragic. It is a crime against humanity at the highest level. And these people, deserve Americans to at least know who they are and still are, except in a very obviously desperate condition now. And they wouldn't have been if it hadn't been for America. Paul and Liz, I want to thank you very, very much for coming on there. You know, there's a lot more to be said. Uh, there's a lot more to be done. 
there there is a time for for action there, there you know now is a time for all good men and women to to come mm -hmm. to the aid of their country uh you know tell your friends you know let's let's get involved let's let's do something let's change the world we can do it we can do it we can do it we just have to do it so uh, thank you again and, and any last words oh I, ditto 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 <laughs> Onwards, onwards. Now onward. We want to thank you guys too. You've been absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. It's been the most terrific experience and may your tribe increase. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Onward. <laughs>